0: Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever, however, and whenever you're listening. Welcome to another episode of The Melanin Report. I'm your host, Marquise Lupton. It's Monday, so you know what that means, playoff! We got our cousin of the show joining us on The Melanin Report today, Dr. Kamika Campbell.
1: DKC, what's going on? <laughs> I love this intro. I'm gonna tape them, string them all together, and like make a little intro tape because that is oh, it's always late. I'm great. I'm having a good, good day.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You uh, uh, brought some new technology mm-hmm, into mm-hmm, the studio. Mm-hmm. I, I am loving it. Upgrade.
1: We're gonna get, exactly. We're gonna get a little. We're gonna put to pull together a little BTS. Yeah. No report. Um, show everybody what we do how it looks so and then you know probably showcase a little bit on the black news beat oh man cannot wait for that (laughs) and what
0: else i can't wait for
1: is getting to
0: these headlines we have a good lineup for y'all today we got stories talking about strokes are rising among young black adults and we have seven ways to prevent them news that you can use also Fourteen-year-old named America's top young scientist for inventing soap that treats cancer. I cannot wait I cannot to get in wait. that to, as as well. I mean, this 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 melanin is magic. I'll tell you That's tell magic. you something. And <laughs> then um and then another story uh, that we're getting into is uh, changes to racist Mississippi laws begin to empower the black vote ahead of the governor's election. And 2024 races. We are among um, voting season. We are in yes. election season. We are about um, what a week away? A little over a week. Yeah, a little over November seventh. Yeah, coming yeah. quickly. Right, right. <laughs> uh, uh, so, for for you, the listener locally, uh, I implore you to check out Black Newsbeat, uh, where you all uh, interview. These people, am yes, I right? Yes,
1: we've been interviewing candidates for the last four or five shows. I start usually in September. Mm. And we've had so we have three shows in September, three shows in October, and we'll have, yeah, so we had six shows and we had about two to four candidates each show. Mm. Um, so it has been a, a, a chuck full. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we were talking last night, we were like, boy, we cannot wait till this is over. Um, <laughs> but it does not end because the field for some different uh, offices Ooh. is real packed full.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so we'll be having. All those folks um, coming through the show <laughs> oh, <laughs> should be <man>. very interesting. <laughs> oh man! Um, so yeah, so it's gonna be. It's it's been quite the season. If you haven't caught those episodes, we're cutting up all those, um, putting in a playlist. so You can see mm. all the candidates and doing the things uh, ahead of the election yeah. on Tuesday, and then we'll do the same thing for the primary. We do. We, this is our probably sixth season. Wow! Uh, election season. So, mm. primary and general, or primary and municipal. Yeah. I'm showcasing Canada.
0: Oh man, oh man. I I like that Canada. Uh, that that I was about to say cannabis. Uh, I like that candidate <laughs> playlist. <laughs> I like the cannabis playlist. <laughs>
1: we also like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the um, uh, candidate playlist, I like that, and it's just like, why hasn't that been a thing? Since the existence of playlists.
1: Uh, Right. We should have those candidates playlists where we are like, this is our top five. Just (laughs) kidding. We can't do that. But, um, yeah, I think it's important that we... We we take the time, right? So these, these candidates do interviews all over the place, and people always... People had a candidate's campaign manager tell me today, your reputation precedes you, so you're going to be talking about... Are we going to be getting into the police? And I'm like, listen, we talk about what you want to talk about. Mm. And that's what I think people need to know. When these candidates come, particularly on my show... I'm not an investigative journalist in that moment. Yeah. I am not a community organizer in that moment, even though I am doing community education. I want to hear what they want to talk about. They tell me in advance what they want to talk about. Yeah. And we talk about it. Right. Um and then you as the voter get to make decisions on what they tell you. I love that. Um approach. so yeah, I think it's I think it's an important forum and I think more people need to do it. Yeah. But everybody's scared of politics.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, One thing that we're not scared about are these headlines. That's right. So let's get into it. Our first story. Our first story takes us to California, where the California governor, Gavin Newsom, signed the ebony alert system into law, the first state to notify the public when black children and women disappear so let's get into it gabby petito natalie holloway elizabeth smart these are names most americans recognize when you talk about missing young women but mention kiara coles who was also pregnant destiny smothers or katherine benny griffin and their names may not be familiar at all that's because when black women go missing News coverage goes missing as well. That part. In late September, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed the ebony alert system into law, becoming the first state to notify the public when black children and young black women between the ages of 12 and 25 disappear. It mirrors the Amber Alert System, which generates emergency alerts on smartphones and electronic road signs. It also encourages the media to share news when someone vanishes. But while this system is a fantastic first step to alleviating racial disparities when it comes to paying attention to missing black women and children, it may not go far enough. So I'm going to uh, (laughs) begin this um, conversation with, with a point here. You know how I like to wait until the end. I'm going to um, make this point now, while black people comp, um, comprise just 13 percent of the U.S. population, nearly 40 percent of those who regularly go missing are African-Americans. And this is um, data coming from the U.S. census reports. Mm-hmm. So only I mean, not only about almost half of us go missing yearly. Yep. Man, I That's crazy. I. I. I would be remiss, I would be ignorant to think that the kidnappers don't know this as well. What say you, Doctor K? I
1: think I think that is the point. I think the, this is um, an, an enterprise. It is a. Mm. It is not just uh, some kind of non-organized uh, effort. So when people are exploiting vulnerable populations, uh, it is. Customary, even if you don't want to hear this, that they <laughs> exploit the most mm. vulnerable populations, um, and that just so happens to be minority women and children, particularly yeah. um, in the United States, black and brown, and particularly black women and children, particularly black girls. Um, so this is something, uh, uh, and the, the the title of the article is excellent because it says, "Why isn't the ebony?" Alert system nationwide, nationwide. because it's a nationwide issue. Right, this is very, very bad in almost every city center across the country. This issue, um, if you look up the backlogs um, of missing girl posts, m- missing young missing girls and women posters, mm. black girls and women p- posters around the country, um, you will see that they're, they're cold, a lot of them are cold cases. Mm. A lot of them are uh, have been lengthy, five, six years mm. missing. And uh, a lot of them are of folks who have some kind of either disability or known issue. Um, mm. Not necessarily a disability, but family issue, some kind of problem. But then a lot of them aren't. We yeah. had um, Justice Maddox on the Black News Beat a couple of weeks ago who talked about being abducted um, by, from going to a birthday party um, in her neighborhood. Oh, wow. So... Uh, it, this is a huge issue um and even here in Pennsylvania, women and girls are at a huge risk mm. um black women and girls are at a huge risk for being abducted um or or turn up missing and turn up dead, yeah. <clears throat> That's,
0: yeah, go ahead, please. I was
1: going to say, part of the reason why I think that is, too, is because we also have developed a national conf, con, consciousness that that dates back to slavery um, of how we treat women and girls uh, as far as their age, how grown we think they are, mm. how um, sexually developed we think they are. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I noticed from reading just a little bit about over the years, too, about this is, even though we have, we do have some cases that There are missing posters and they are police, some police effort, even if the case has gone cold. There are many more where there has not been that. Mm -hmm. Right. So a lot of women and girls go missing that aren't declared missing. They're declared runaways. Mm -hmm. And that's a different issue. Right. They don't don't, or they say we can't prove that they're they've been kidnapped or, or, or maybe they just left because, you know, that's how they deem these some of these cases of missing girls. Yeah. They don't deem them missing. They deem, they deem them running away from home, and then it may turn up later that they actually were abducted, um, lured by by kidnappers, lured by traffickers, mm. lured by other people, pimps, yeah. um, who are using them for you know various nefarious purposes. So, and <clears throat> and
0: the numbers that we have these these don't even reflect you know what's going on because there's that. Phenomena that you talked about when it's like, oh, well, we're not going to say that this is a kidnapping. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. runaway. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is something that comes uh, straight from the article that is on uh, the root.com. dot um, It says that minorities who have vanished aren't even cataloged the same way in crime statistics. In 2022, there were over 300000 cases filed by the National Crime Information Center where the race of the reported missing was white. And according to the NCIC's website, in the same year, almost 19,000 people were missing whose race was unknown. Mm-hmm. So they're not even doing the the racial breakdown, nope. you know. Um, reporting.
1: <clears throat> right. The data. And,
0: and, and, and it's like some, something like this, something so serious, you would think that this country would have a more sophisticated way of tracking these things. But— here we are. Um, unfortunately, yeah. uh, we do not before we head on to our next story. Uh, just another point here. Um, according to the Black and Missing website of the 000, uh, 000, uh people reported missing in 2022. Just fifty seven percent were white, including Hispanic. Thirty nine percent were minorities and three percent were unknown. Hmm. Our second story takes us to CNBC, which reported last month. How porch piracy continues to rise across the United States. And now a separate report is saying how there's one city in Pennsylvania that has porch pirates more top of mind than others. Mm, And mm, mm. it's not the city that you may think of. (laughs) Because when I read this headlines, the first thing I thought was, oh, Philly. Philly, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Right, right. Mm But hold on. Hold on there. Hold on to your hats. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) So... Who is this nefarious city that's yes. doing this? It is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh ranked 4th on the final list with 104 searchers per per 100,000 residents making for a PPI score of 88.7 out of 100. In first, what is a PPI? Well, PPI is perch porch poor rate incident. Mm-hmm. And um and the city that got the 100 out of 100 was uh St. Louis, and mm. on a state level, uh overall Vermont was found to be the most with uh, porch piracy that's issues. Crazy. That is.
1: <laughs> I just thought for folks from Vermont were just so pleasant, kind. Right, and made syrup, and they're out here are stealing people' their own packages. Yeah. <laughs> right, ghetto stealing your neighbor's <laughs> packages. <laughs> what? We, one out of five, we do not recommend that at all.
0: <laughs> you don't hear you don't hear about that.
1: Mm-mm, they would oh, like, come no. to Vermont. You <laughs> see them commercials. Come right, to Vermont. Right. We got leaves and stuff. Right. We got syrup. Come the, to Vermont.
0: They don't say come to Vermont and get your porch. We go see stolen. your packages. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so nearly eight Intent Americans uh, have had their packages stolen from uh in 2022 and eight states have made package theft a felony. Wow. And that includes Texas, Michigan, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia, New Jersey, and Kentucky. Well, that's uh, so, good to know. Right, right, right. I Man, <laughs> man, like like how how bad did this have to be to make this become
1: like, you know what? a felony? <laughs> like, <laughs> everybody's mad. <laughs> they robbed the wrong my person. I package from Amazon on Prime. <laughs> Supposed to be here yesterday. Where is it, Prime? <laughs> and, like, and then they send you the picture. We dropped it off. What? I don't, we don't know what happened. Pork pirates dropped it off. Right, right. <laughs> and then when
0: Amazon says can you show me a picture to prove that it hasn't arrived? You know what? Let here me- go
1: this empty port. <laughs> <laughs> yes, here, here's the proof. Right. It's not here.
0: Let me show you my empty hands. Oh my God. Like, like, yo, what, what are what you, you talking want? about? What
1: do you want to see? <laughs> I always want to know, I had a whole fight with the Amazon lady one year because she was like, well, how can you prove that it didn't get there, ma'am? I'm not the UPS, the QRS, the FedEx, whoever, right. DHL. I'm not that person. But they did a really good job, I think, of instituting those cameras mm. Um uh, the, I'm sorry, the picture policy. Yeah. But I have had people who have taken the... And we've seen it on... There's a whole channel dedicated to this on YouTube. They get the, the um, package. They put it down. They mark it as delivered. And they pick that bad boy up and they go home. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, it's not a foolproof system. It's an inside job. Yeah, it's an inside <laughs> job. Oh, mm-hmm.
0: man. Yeah. Oh, man. So, um, to get to... Uh, Some some points here uh, to get to the background and the um, the base, the root of this um, package theft. Stealing U.S. Postal Service mail can be prosecuted as a federal crime. That's point one. Point two, as Americans gear up to travel more. Uh, In in the summers past, 42% of Americans plan to travel even more this upcoming Mm -hmm. summer. Leaving your home unattended may leave you at a higher risk for having a package stolen. So if you know that you are going away, don't have any packages uh, come to your home. $1.7 trillion since 2020. uh, It's big business stealing packages. It is. It is. (laughs) Um, 75% of Americans receive at least one package a week. 22% 22% receive uh, packages daily, and 94% of Porch Pirates are 45 years and younger, 67 report being middle class,
1: and 54% are white. Where are they getting Porch Pirate statistics?
0: I, may, maybe like the who... when they arrest them. And... and they're like, so how old are you? Are you
1: interviewing <laughs> the Porch Pirates to know this? This is crazy. all uh, right Because <laughs> 45, 45 and younger makes sense. This reminds me of the channel... Of the guy who builds those like glitter bomb packages mm. that goes off with the lights and the sounds and the glitter, mm-hmm. so if you steal a package of somebody's porch <laughs> you get a surprise right and I really appreciate that I appreciate that whole channel, yeah, yeah
0: <laughs> i I'm gonna have to watch that channel because I know that there's some good laughs.
1: listen, there are great laughs because people and the, he had he um he has a um he has a what you call it a a version of it <clears throat> where he does. D- smells <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy he has a version of it where he does smells and this thing will they'll open it up it'll like do this poof, oh. lights are going off music's playing mm. glitters everywhere and it smells like somebody farted oh or rotten eggs or something uh. terrible yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: well uh, well hey look if you don't steal you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to worry about this. right right mm-hmm. right
0: uh, so our our final point before we go to Our next story here Uh, in the year 2022 alone, 79 percent of Americans fell victim to porch pirates with more than half having more than one package swiped from their doorstep. Mm. The amount of loss adds up and is climbing nationwide. The annual amount of loss due to theft is more than 19 million dollars. Our next story takes us to Mississippi and laws empowering black vote ahead of the governor's election and your 2024 races. So there's a lot of information here, folks. So let's get into it. And please pay close attention. As the current election season heats up, Mississippi is turning into an unexpected political battleground the sal- the s- <laughs> it it, <laughs> it is a solid conservative state that has recently seen changes to several racist or biased laws and policies and the new legal landscape in Mississippi has the potential to empower the state's significant black electorate with potentially major consequences for representation within the state and in Washington so they are rolling back anti-black state laws. So what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. With its history of racial oppression, it is perhaps not surprising that the Mississippi State Constitution, written in 1890, includes provisions originally designated to uphold white supremacy. One of those rules required candidates for governor or other statewide offices to not only win a majority of votes overall, but also to win a majority of the state's voting districts. Since most of those districts are white, partially due to intentionally drawing lines that concentrate black voters into a limited number of districts, critics argue that this electoral college-like system was meant to prevent non-white candidates from running. In 2020, uh, voters overwhelmingly chose to eliminate the rule and <clears throat> and the Confederate flag was voted to be removed from the state's flag that same year. Okay, Mississippi. Right. Earlier this year, a federal judge struck down another portion of the 1890 Constitution, which imposed a lifetime voting ban on people convicted of committing certain felonies in the state. The ban and the, pacif- and the, ban and the specific crimes covered had initially been designated, designed, excuse me, to disenfranchise black voters, and critics argued that the rules still served that purpose. The ruling is currently under appeal and the case may make its way to the Supreme Court. Woo. So shout out to Mississippi, you know, because they're like, we're not going to be this forgotten state anymore. That's right. You know, um, I am one of those people that are guilty of um, forgetting about Mississippi and making jokes about. Mississippi and saying, oh, there's still slavery down there. Ha ha ha. How oppressive is Mississippi? But but not, you know, not realizing in my ignorance that like, nah, bro, there's there's real people down there dealing with these real issues and they may not have the means to get out of said issue. Uh, There's there's this interview uh, that I did with this um, um, brother that's coming up later um, on another episode of the Melanin Report. And he's he's from Miami by way of Mississippi. And he ended up in Miami because he was a Katrina victim in Mississippi. Oh, wow. And I was like, wait, you were a Katrina. There were Katrina victims in Mississippi. He was like, yeah. Louisiana got all the coverage. Got all the coverage. Mississippi right. got the wind. Louisiana got the water. But Mississippi, there were whole neighborhoods wow. wiped out, but there was no news coverage. And, you know, I don't think that I'm the only one guilty here that that kind not, not here in the studio, here meaning in America, yeah. that that, you know, just over
1: overlooked Mississippi yeah. and just had it as this running joke. What say you? I think that um these Jim Crow era laws um, were widespread in the South and mm. and and clandestine in the North. So I, I don't want people to think. So there's two things p- at play here. Gerrymandering. Mm. Right. When you draw, we draw those lines to make to favor one voter pop block over another, whether it's Democrat or Republican. Um, that has a adverse effect on voters. Right. Yeah. Um, but gerrymandering used to be thought of of just a, a trick of Republicans, allegedly. Uh, But when you look at the data, you'll see that when either party is in power, they draw those lines to favor themselves. So it is about power, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other part is these Jim Crow era laws that also not just gerrymander, but make a very high bar of um, of entry for black voters, right, in the country. So you, if you, and, and candidates, in order to vote in some states, you had to own property. In order to uh, be a candidate in some states, you had to do certain things that were different than your white counterparts. And then in order to win, you have laws like Mississippi where you had to do <laughs> A, B, and C um, right. that uh, they knew at that time was was tailored by population because they knew where they had concentrated the black votes with right. gerrymandering, right, like the article says. So I—, I I too, I have been, I, I uh, often joke that I'll never work or live in Alabama for mm. certain re- similar reasons. Um, but it's, it's, you know, the, the old saying, laughs to keep him from crying, because yeah. why do we still have laws like this in the books in 2023? Um, and that is because, I, I'll say it every chance I get to folks, it is because folks, they know your vote is important. Right. No matter <clears throat> what laws are on the books about this stuff, you have to understand the 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 effort to con- to continue to disenfranchise black voters stemming from slavery stemming from slavery stemming from when they realized the economic power that black folks would have once they were no longer enslaved mm. right the economic the civic the financial the um land power They did—in all those different areas, there were all kinds of laws enacted to make sure that—and if if the law didn't work when we went into our own cities and own communities and did our own thing, you can track the number of cities that were literally decimated, burned to the ground with black bodies thrown in mass graves— Just to make sure that we did not advance yeah, and poison the national consciousness to that end. Again, the chain of custody is broken when it comes to this kind of thing. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I I, um, am, like I said, I, too, am guilty of this kind of idea where um, I am. Kind of like poke fun, but it's to it's literally to last keep from crying. Yeah. Uh, the the Fifteenth Amendment, which bars states from depriving citizens' right to vote based on race, um, that is the nexus of when you started seeing these more clandestine laws mm. on how to kind of disenfranchise without publicly or openly making a disenfranchising type. Dif- disenfranchising type of law so that that law and this is what happens with different kinds of laws in the united states we make a law saying this can't happen the the dominant culture and the white patriarchal racist structural system finds a way to usurp those laws Yep. um so this is not new but my my question for us is how do we put people in position of all races because the thing is this doesn't just enfranchise black voters. Right. This enfranchises any vulnerable voting block. Anyone. They can make a law around how you vote in a clandestine way that can usurp and stop your vote. Right. And people don't. People don't think about that. You should be fighting for voting rights for all people because it matters for all of us. And if that subgroup isn't is uh, vulnerable and their votes could be tampered with. Or their votes could be um, stripped Mm. or or they could just not be able to vote. Same thing with candidates if candidates aren't able to get into the race and run and do the thing. All of us are vulnerable from every sector, from every demographic sector in society that can vote and that could be a candidate and that could win a race. You know, um, we see that here where we are in central Pennsylvania. Um, Black and brown candidates are systematically kept out of running. (sighs) Um, and this is goes beyond voter intimidation to something that I talk about a lot in our work with um, a, a, one of our committees called Who's Running for Office. We talk about the systematic um, damage that we've done in our area to getting Black and Brown candidates, keeping mm. Black and Brown candidates on the on the ballot. So this is a multi pronged problem. Yeah, and <clears throat> um, we have to we have to keep chipping away at the hearts and minds who have grown up with this national idea. Of of what we think about voting, um, we have to change the hearts and minds of Black people who, mm. who, for very valid reasons, think their votes don't count, don't count. Obviously, right? Gerrymandering will will absolutely have you believe in that. Right? Um, yeah,
0: it's those G words: gerrymandering <laughs> and gentrification. That's the one. <laughs> they this will the one. they will have you it will have you going crazy. Uh, before we go to our next story, just um a couple points here. Uh, Even with this optimism, the political atmosphere in Mississippi still remains hostile towards black voters in several ways. Earlier this year, the Supreme Court refused to hear a case arguing that the state's congressional districts were drawn to limit the number of black representatives elected to Congress, a potential violation of the Federal Voting Rights Act of 1965. Meanwhile, the appeal to the federal ruling on felony disenfranchisement Mm. could potentially restore the rule ahead of the next election and policies ranging from a recent ban on so-called critical race theory to continued commemoration of Confederate heritage Mm. uh, present a state that seeks to whitewash or even celebrate its racist past. And then also black people make up 40% of Mississippi's voters mm. more than any other state mm-hmm. and thus can have a huge impact on the election. So you see mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. Uh, their votes are um, disenfranchised. Yep, so
1: Because they know they have a great impact. I mean, this, right. too, the other thing that I think listeners should know is in the state of Mississippi, this mirrors history, the 1890 mm. convention, right? And the Mississippi State Convention of 1890. Um, This is um, a quote from James um, Vardaman, who said, There is no use to equivocate or lie about the matter. So the 1890 Mississippi State Convention, um, at that convention, a new constitution was adopted that included a literacy test and a poll tax for eligible voters, right? Hmm. And under the new literacy requirement, a potential voter had to be able to read any section of the Mississippi Constitution or understand any section when read to him or give a reasonable interpretation of any section in order to vote. and. James Vardaman said in 1890 at that convention, there's no use to equivocate or lie about the matter, right? Vardaman served in the Mississippi legislature at the time of the convention and later became the governor of the state. Hmm. In Mississippi, we have in our constitution legislated against the racial peculiarities of the Negro. Hmm. When that device fails, we will resort to something else. Wow. So... This is the something else right. that has been resorted to over the years. And this is a, again, it's a state consciousness, but now this is a national consciousness that we are fighting against of how we think about black voters and how we think about um, the power that they can have. All right, and going to our next story.
0: Our fourth story takes us to this amazing story about... This young scientist inventing soap that treats cancer. Mm -hmm. I love it. So let's get into it. 14-year-old teenager was named America's top young scientist after winning this year's 3M Young Scientist Challenge. He was given the distinction for creating a bar of soap that fights low-grade skin cancer. Wow. Heman Bekele, who is a freshman at W.T. Woodson High School, moved from Ethiopia to Virginia where he was when he was four years old. And this is according to Fairfax County public school records. Wow. And he says skin cancer is mostly found on people who live within developing countries.
1: Mm. But the
0: average price for an operation is $40,000. Wow. I was devastated by the idea of people having to choose between treatment and putting food on a table for their families. Mm. There are so many preventable deaths. He enrolled in the 3M Young Scientist Challenge and received help in developing a prototype. Bekele calls the product skin cancer treating soap or SCTS. He says that it can be used by being applied to the skin every couple days after prescription. It works by replenishing the skin with dendritic cells, which help protect the skin and fight cancer. Bekele noted that it can be fabricated for 50 cents a bar wow or $8.50 for a pack of 20 yes. bars.
1: <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> he better do that. Yo, homie
0: is is That's amazing. You know, changing cha- changing the medical game. Absolutely is. You know, um uh there's there's this soap.
1: There's this soap that be that can be fabricated for 50 Could cents. Can you imagine? <laughs> Yo! That's this is I I mean, reading this story, I was like, so you mean to tell me that we can have medical advancements like this? If mm. we just kind of pay attention, one, to the to the younger generation, because 14,
0: 14, to have
1: this, you know, one burden on the heart, this life mission. Right. And then two, to have the the genius to do something like this. Right. I am just I'm in awe. Right. Right. Right.
0: I'm I'm thinking to myself, like, man, what did I create when I was 14? No, no, I, not that. Not, mm-hmm. Nothing um, like that. <laughs> the best thing I created was was one of those um, fortune teller things, you know, uh, uh, you know, you uh, know, so you're yep. going to uh, be married and you're going to have six kids. The finger and, fortune tellers. Yep, yep, yep. That's, mm-hmm. that's that was
1: probably the best thing that I created. The best thing I probably created was just like, you know, pain and heartache for my mama because I was in high school. <laughs> best thing I created. <laughs> you know, and to
0: have this, to just have this on on his mind. Um, when I saw the price, I was like, so then, and it's, it's, it's like, yeah, Marquise, duh. But to say it out loud, I was like, so then. Our medical advancements don't need to be as expensive, expensive yeah. as they are.
1: No, they don't. And it's what's what's hard about that is um you will hear when you de- you dig into why certain medical advancements I mean we're still fighting over EpiPens on a national level. Uh, man, yeah. And they're not that expensive to, to to manufacture, but they are hundreds of dollars for one. Mm-hmm. Um, you will hear every excuse as to why they need to be so expensive. You will hear everything um, when, in truth and in fact, um, not only do they not need to be that expensive, but there are people who are profiting off of sickness right. um, in a way that is obscene, um, and they're literally becoming billionaires um, off of people being sick, right. right? And so it's and and off of people having a need because they're sick. Um, so it's just been an interest. It's interesting to see that you can treat skin cancer for fifty cents with a fifty cent bar of soap and a 14 year old figured that out and we have people who literally have been running this industry for two generations who can't figure out how to make healthcare cheaper. <laughs> right.
0: Right. Um as as a uh, uh, side note, uh write this down, you the listener. Uh costplusdrugs.com. Again, that's costplusdrugs.com. This is Mark Cuban's company uh where you don't have to worry about the middleman, you don't have to worry about price games. Uh they have Uh, This is supposed to be something direct from the supplier, Uh, so you don't have to work with these uh, insurance third parties. You can get your medication straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So I uh, implore you to check out Cost Plus Drugs. Dot com. I'm acting like they're one of okay. our supporters here, but, uh, uh, we, but go right
1: there for we go write them for a thing.
0: run me my money, son. Yes. <laughs> but because we helping you, right, right. Uh, but uh, to you, the listener uh, that may have some uh, prescription drug um, obstacles, this this may help you. Uh, so um, a point here. Um, along with the prestigious title, Buckley received a twenty-five thousand dollar prize, which he wants to put towards securing a wow. patent for his invention Amazing. in college. This this kid just one it makes me want to have a son. Absolutely, but then I'm like, I don't know if he's going to be this spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> You, oh man! You know, but, um, <clears throat> but 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 yeah. Also, um, a, a another point here is that um, Bakeli's goals um, include developing a nonprofit organization that will distribute his soap to low-income communities by wow. 2028. So we're talking about he wants to turn this thing around in five short years, and and it be uh, available to folks in developing countries. And again, with my ignorance, you know. Um, Yes, this this makes sense in those developing countries that that there's constantly heat and sun um, and they may not have regularly uh, housing or shade available. Then, yeah, skin cancer can be a huge issue. It's one of those things that I, you know, looked over that was not on my radar. Absolutely.
1: And let's talk about the United States. So do you know the state that has the highest incidence of skin cancer Mm -mm. in the country? Mm -mm. Utah, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what? That's what I said. So you know, I try to do a little homework when I read these things. Yeah. And um, the Utah has thirty-four point. 38.4 out of 100,000 people in Utah had melanoma in 2020. Now, wow. According to the Department of Health and Human Services, 2.8 out of 100,000 people died from it. So it's a serious thing in Utah. Um you you, you their skin cancer rates were nearly 3 times as high as in warmer areas like Texas mm-hmm. and New Mexico from 2015 to 2019.
0: Which is crazy. Utah. Now, now see, I would have thought that like Texas would have been Number one, I, I would have thought that California would have been absolutely number Florida. one,
1: right? Florida, yeah. sunny Florida, yes, very hot, sunny Florida. Utah, yeah, and they and so they were saying that um, that it could be due to factors like elevation, oh, skin pigmentation, and outdoor activities. It has the third highest elevation in the nation with sixty one hundred feet. So basically, Utah
0: has a lot of white people on mountains. Yes.
1: <laughs> and that also means that Ozo provides less of a shield from the sun and, yeah. up there. So I just thought it was interesting because I'm like, wow, you know, not only is he doing something that's going to help people in countries where there is a lot of sun, like Ethiopia, yeah. but it's also gonna help people here who don't have enough melon. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Comes
0: full circle. <laughs> I love that. I got it. <sighs> and on that note, we're gonna go to our this and final story. Our fifth and final story takes us to The Grio, where it says that strokes are rising among young black adults. So let's get into it. There has been an uptick in strokes among young black adults, but the potentially dead events are highly preventable. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, every 40 seconds, someone in this country has a stroke. And every three minutes and 13 seconds, someone dies from one. The neurological event, which is caused either when blood flow is interrupted on its path to the brain or a blood vessel bursts in the brain, is also on the rise among young black adults. Mm. In a recent study on the prevalence of strokes in young black adults, the American Heart Association found they were experiencing them at four times the rate of their white peers. The reason for the increase in young black adults is difficult for the experts to pinpoint. However, the AHA says strokes could be caused by chronic stress, high blood pressure, poor diet, a sedentary lifestyle and family history. And while strokes are rising among younger black populations, more than 80 percent of the strokes are preventable. Several health resources, including the CDC, the AHA, and the American Stroke Association have advice on being proactive against these preventable medical occurrences. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. in in my um, first point here, um, according to the ASA, risk factors include family history, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, your lifestyle, lack of physical activity, smoking, and a history of heart disease, mm. such as Atrial fibrillation uh, when the heart's rhythm is irregular and the ASA warns other pre-existing conditions that could lead to strokes if not properly managed include diabetes sleep apnea and sickle cell anemia
1: Mm-mm-mm.
0: so <clears throat> um um our our young kids um I did some more digging here uh, and, and and a lot of this can be attributed to to stress yeah and then um a lot of the stress that our younger folks uh have that can be linked to social media now i don't want to make the irresponsible link between oh social media is causing our kids to have more strokes mm-hmm. you know but but you do see a correlation with with uh stress with social media uh with school you know with um our our kids nowadays are are highly 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 social uh s- social conscious mm-hmm. you know um so it's it's the stress and like knowing those stressors oh, yeah. of being a young black male like for myself growing up yes i was pretty as as our elders would say woke as a young man you you know but 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 these kids now put me to shame like i was yeah. more of the historical aspect yeah. i could pinpoint this historical point in black history i know my black history names dates and activities and all of that yeah but but to be you know to to to, to this point to have the activism to, to to march to see black and brown bodies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. drop on social media mm-hmm. i was not exposed to that i did not have that uh level of um activism in me mine yeah. was more so Historical, Mm -hmm. you know, so. So there's that stress that I did not have to have as a kid where I can see that now being inputted into these kids minds because I was talking to my kids about George Floyd. You you know, um, my oldest was talking to me about Breonna Taylor and she's 11. So, like, these kids. They they are taking in, you know, consuming, absorbing a lot more than than us in our day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is a great segue into what I wanted to introduce to the conversation. All right. Which um, is racial battle fatigue. Mm. This was a, a term coined in 2003 at the University of Utah. Um, and it describes the psychosocial stress responses from being a racially oppressed group member in society on a historically white campus. Oh. Um, and it has been it has been extrapolated um, to other contexts as well because it had such an it gave voice to such a um, important experience mm-hmm. for black students. And while it did talk about the university campus, it also uh, has been applied to contexts like high schools. Has a, a been applied to contexts where there is a majority, a historically majority right white presence, mm. where you are the minority. Um, some of the symptoms include you would be not surprised to know. The psychological symptoms can include but are not limited to depression, chronic anxiety, which is also a very stressful thing, anger, frustration, disturbed sleep, disappointment, resentment, emotional or social withdrawal, intrusive thoughts or images, avoidance, helplessness, and fear. All of those symptoms are are also setting off stress responses in your body. Mm. So when you are under – it's like um, it's like James Baldwin says, to be a Negro in America is to be – Um, in rage almost all the time, right? So this is something that I think we've known um, without having the language for before 2003, but now we know um, very clearly that uh, we have these very clear emotional and psychological response that are now breeding physical responses um, that are having detrimental effects on the body.
0: Yeah, we've um, we've we've heard this from our elders in the past when they mm-hmm. said, you know, go go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. That's right. You know, um, th- this is one of those conversations that that I've had with um, many, many uh, of the educator about there's there's more, you know, there's more social advantages yeah. uh, with going to a HBCU you know, not being that only black body in the space and and not having to bear that cross Absolutely. at such a young age. At such a young age. You know, um there were times in my intro to pop culture class. I ended up getting an F in that class. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So so a lot of times Literary um class. in that class, because I was the only black person in that class and yeah. we were talking about pop culture and black people were obviously a part, a huge part of pop culture. Huge, like I, I had to carry the race in our conversation. That is
1: such a big burden. It is, yeah, it's a huge burden,
0: right? Be- be- because uh, I- I'm getting questions from not just the professor, you're the representative, yeah, right, <laughs> right. You know, like, like, all right, you know, as, as, it was frustrating. Uh, yep. it, it was, it was frustrating because the questions, you know, they gaslight you. And exactly. then then it's like, all right, now I'm getting upset. Yeah, now I'm getting upset. Now I'm the angry black guy. That's right. You know, and, and now, now your was... blood pressure is going up. Right. You're having headaches. Yes. Your
1: breathing is increased. Your heart rate is up. Um, because you're and you not only you're anticipating the racial conflict, but you're reliving it. um what else, what are the other symptoms that you probably experience? upset stomach, yep. People get ulcers, fatigue, exhaustion, muscle tension around the neck and shoulders, and head may be present due to the persistent nature of the stress experience. Um, and then the other part was Clark and colleagues, I'm um, just reading from this list, proposed that these stress responses are also related to cardiovascular activity and higher rates of hypertension among african americans moreover prolonged activation of the sympathetic responses may result in higher resting systolic blood pressure and increases in mean arterial blood pressure all those things do what gear you up for a stroke
0: right man man there it is there it is there's the recipe
1: there you know it
0: is. <laughs> there's a recipe you you, you know it's it's it is not just all you you know saturated fats and trans fats and and col- col- cholesterol and, and everything no it is it is the temperature the racial temperature of 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 this country and unfortunately this uptick um, in strokes shows that our kids are, are
1: are bearing somewhat of the brunt of it yep and then, and you, when you grow up in a society, I think when you're younger, you don't realize it yet. I, I got smacked in the face when I went. I went to Florida State University, mm. um, a, a, P, a a big P, PWI uh, football school in the south. Yeah, and um, I got hit over the head with it because I just didn't understand. We had a lot more black kids in my high school, even though um, it was it was still a lot of white kids. It mm. was nothing like when I went to college. It was a completely different world where you were. Not only were you living this, what I call like the dual roles, right? You got your college student, but you're also like the black representation. So I threw myself into everything that I could mm-hmm. that was black. Yeah. And um, folks who knew me from high school to college were like, wow, this is a different person. You know? You got that too. Because <laughs> that's what I got too. <laughs> who, who is this kid? Um, right. So yeah, um, it's just, it's a very. Because what do you do to cope, right? If you if you don't know that you are putting yourself under under duress, because mm. who I didn't know you're feeling it, you're getting hot, you're getting you're getting angry at certain things, you don't know, so you throw. Some people go all the way to the. I'm going to assimilate and folks, kids like me, we went all the way to the other side. It's hard to put language to this stuff because one, sometimes we're not even allowed to name our experiences. Mm. So being able to talk about something like racial battle fatigue in just in college and now it's being extrapolated to other contexts, I'm hoping it gives folks the language to name the things that are happening so that they can watch out for things like, you know, having all these physical symptoms that can quite literally and most and very often lead to a stroke. Like it is yeah. a direct line now. It's not a zigzag line. It's not a dotted line. It is a bold black line that says when you raise your stress response and you have that that constant flow of cortisol in your system, where you are, your body's literally always telling you that it is a problem. Something's happening. To me. we gotta we gotta fight. We gotta be angry. We gotta be mad. You're setting yourself up for your stroke.
0: Right. Right. So uh, if if we can tell you all anything. Uh, From from this conversation, you know, uh, get around like minded folks and settle down. Yeah with like-minded folks mm-hmm. i would like to thank you the listener for tuning into the melanin report oh yeah once again this has been another insightful and delightful monday headline conversation and, it has. and it has. with dr kamika campbell <laughs> mm, yes Here yes are, yes uh-huh. yeah, so uh 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 <laughs> Doc, before we get yeah. to our our quote uh Ooh, yeah. Any church announcements?
1: Yeah, so I always have church announcements. All right. Um, tune into the Black News Beat Online, those candidates. Um, I just want you guys to know that I am very excited to be. I talked about it last week. I it is just days away. I'll be celebrating my 15th Obama reunion. So excited, mm-hmm. leaving on Thursday. Um, and also check out the YPOC. We have a lot of great events coming up. We have our Friendsgiving uh coming up. We're also partnering with Handles um foundation on a hey. turkey giveaway. Yes, your frat brother uh Chris yo, yo. Handles Franklin is having a, a a turkey giveaway for Thanksgiving on the 18th of November four different locations across the city wow. and the region. Um you can go on to the handlesfoundation.org um and uh or google handles foundation and sign up to get those turkeys. We'll be doing that from 12 to 2 that Saturday. I'm um, at four different locations across the city. Mm. Also, Kid Capri will be in town. Oh, Kid yes, Capri! Yes, honey. San- Handles and Samson Entertainment. Also, another uh, Chris Franklin and um, Boots uh, Samson uh, production. Kid Capri is coming to X Live on Black Friday. And it is a black affair, honey, so get your outfit together, hey. okay? We want to see you in Harrisburg at the uh, the Kit Capri, we want you also for your families to be blessed with a turkey. So go ahead and sign up and make sure that you, um, that you ha- enjoy these two things. And uh, yeah. YPOC, we're having our holiday liddy the third week, uh, Saturday in December. I think it's the 16th. Um, it is always a good time. So I... <laughs> you'll see that coming up soon. Tickets will be on sale soon. Um, and we always have a blast. So,
0: yeah. All right. All right. Well, we are going to put a pin in it right there. Again, I would like to thank Dr. K for joining us. And I would like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another episode of The Melanin Report. You could have been listening to any other podcast and you chose to make us a part of your day. And friend, for that, I say thank you. So before we head on out, you know how I like to do. I like to give these quotes from the goats. So the quote today comes from Ms. Winfrey, Oprah, if you're nasty. (laughs) The key to realizing a dream is to focus not on success, but on significance. And then even the small steps and little victories along your path will take you on a greater meaning. I love that. Hmm. And I love Oprah. We're going to have her on here sometime. Yes, I'm just are. going to uh, throw that out there into the atmosphere yes, and let the atmosphere do its thing. Do its thing.
1: Come on, atmosphere. We're waiting. <laughs> right, right, right.
0: From my lips to God's ears, right. let it happen. You're listening to The Melanin Report. I am Marquise Lupton, and we will see you on the other side. I got down on my knees and that's baby